Hallelujah. Children, you may be dismissed for Sunday school, and I'll let the teachers go as well. Oh, I love Jesus. Isn't he amazing? <laughs> Isn't he amazing? Mm. Mm. I've got a word this morning, and, and uh, at the end of the word, I've got a prophetic declaration to give you. But do you know that God is aware of every minute, single, little, infinitesimally small detail of your life? He knows how many hairs you've got on your head to the digit. He doesn't round it up. He doesn't round it down. He knows every single aspect of your life. Your DNA, and the miles of your DNA, he personally designed. You look at Psalm 139, and he says, when you were in your mother's womb, he said you were crafted and you were designed. That's the God that you and I serve. He's amazing. He's amazing. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a God who's alive. We serve a God who cares for you. No other king, if you look in history, you will find that no other king cares for his subjects like our king. If you look in history, the king, it's all about what you can do for the king, and yet this king that we serve says, no, I'll give you my son so that I can redeem you back and I can have you as mine. There's no other king that's done that except our king. And he's spiritual, but he also is practical. He came and he was 100% man, and he was 100% God. And that's about as far as I can figure it out. We don't, have to, we don't always have to figure it out. Sometimes we just have to take it for what he says. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to, where am I going to start? Genesis. Genesis 50. I'll, I'll get to the last chapter in Genesis. How about that? Only 65 to go after that. Genesis, if you could turn to Genesis 50. This morning, if I was to title my sermon, it would be the making, God does the making in the breaking. Last week, I had this phenomenal illustration does anybody remember that illustration? I, I was going to redo it this morning, but I just see a couple flecks still. I broke a couple cups with a hammer. And what that was signifying is what Jesus did when he broke the yoke that was on you. And he broke the staff that was on your shoulders. And he broke the rod of the oppressor. And what he did was he smashed it. 
And after the sermon, Pastor Nelson came to me and he says, and you know what's amazing? Is sometimes we sit there afterwards and we try to pick up every single piece to put it back together. That's not how God designed it. When he smashed it, it was because he was making all things new. And so I will get to that passage this morning. This morning I want to talk about Jesus. Because he is amazing. I don't need to talk about me. You can Google me and you can find all out about me. And it will only take you about an hour. And if it's really good, maybe an hour and a half. But I want to talk about Jesus. And what I find out about him is I can never get enough of who he is. I can never get enough of what he's done. And this morning I want to talk about the making in the breaking. And I want us to see how Jesus does the making while we think everything is breaking. And what I want to show you is I want to take a few verses and I, first of all I'd like to start in Genesis and I'll get to Genesis 50, but this is the story of Joseph. And when he was a teenage kid, he had these dreams, and he saw his father and his mother bowing down before him, and he saw his brothers bowing down before him, and he shared it with them, and they sold him to slavery. And then as you read in Genesis, you find out that he went from slavery, and then he went, rose up in the ranks in Potiphar's house, and and then his wife tried to seduce him time and time again, by the way. It wasn't just once. And she tried to get him to, to have sex with him. I hope we didn't record that because I don't know if I've ever said that before on the pulpit. <laughs> she tried to seduce him. And he ran away and she grabbed his cloak and then she presented it to her husband Potiphar and he threw him back into prison in, in the king's prison, in Pharaoh's prison. And then he has these, these guys have dreams. And he tells these two guys these dreams. And one of the guys is going to be restored with the king and the other guy's going to be executed. And he tells them that and, and he's smart because he says, I'll tell you the dream. But listen, don't forget about me. Tell the guy what happened and put my name in the byline or put my name in the heading. But just put me out there because I don't want to stay here. He didn't like it. You say, how do you know? Because he said, please remember me. I've yet to find somebody who likes prison. And so he told the guy, and sure enough, within days, the one guy gets restored and the other guy gets executed. And it took, I think, at least two more years before the guy remembered. Have you ever felt like somebody that was supposed to remember you forgot you? Have you ever thought like, man, I did you a solid. I, I did you a favor. I... I I put my name on the line for you and you got the advancement and then you don't even say hi to me in the hallway. Come on. Joseph was real. I don't think he sat up every morning and said, praise God, he's keeping me here another day when he should have told me about, told the king about me. 
He was hard done by. A few years later, all of a sudden, the king has a dream. And none of the king's wisest guys could tell him the dream, interpret it. And though, then all of a sudden, the guy gets a light bulb moment. And he says, oh, I know a guy. And he wasn't talking about Noah. He says, I know a guy. Some of you got that. Some of you didn't. I know a guy. Noah guy. Anyway, move on. The anointing's moving. I better keep going. And he says, I know a guy. His name's Joseph, and he told me this dream, and this happened, and he told me the other guy's dream, and you killed him, and, and, and I think he can be the guy. So he calls him up, and Joseph rises up, and he, he gets prepared, and he meets the Pharaoh, and he tells him, the Pharaoh tells him the dream, and he says, listen, this is what's going to happen. And Joseph tells him what's going to happen. And Pharaoh, at the end of it, Joseph says, and by the way, you should get the smartest guy out here to take care of this for you. You know, check the back of the jersey. There's my name. You should get the smartest guy out here. And Pharaoh says, hey, that's you. And he leads him for seven years of goodness and seven years of famine. And in those seven years of famine, Joseph's brothers come and they get food because the whole area is in famine. In that time, he had two children, Manasseh and Ephraim. If you want to find out something amazing, you read out what their names mean. Because that's powerful. Through all of what he went through, his children, and he gave them names that symbolically spoke of what God was doing. And anyways, at the end of that time, his dad comes to Israel, or to Egypt. And his whole family comes, and then his dad passes away, and this is where we get to Genesis 50, and this is roughly 17 years after his dad came to Egypt. Because if you study and you find, actually you don't have to study, you just have to read the story. 17 years after Jacob or Israel came to Egypt, he is now on his deathbed. And he calls his kids and his sons and he gives them blessings. And what's amazing is Joseph has two of his kids now inserted into the tribes of Israel. <laughs> Think about that. What one person endured, two people now became part of that blessing. I mean, this isn't even my notes. This is just Holy Spirit talking talk to me. Right now, sometimes you think you're the only one having this, but what God is doing is he's preparing double for you. And what Joseph was, one of the sons, but instead two of his sons take the place. They take the place of Joseph and they take the place of Levi. And they become part of the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. And then his dad dies. And shortly after his dad dies, his brothers realize, dad's not here to protect us anymore. And they go and they bow down their face to Joseph and this is the verse I want to read you. And they come to Joseph and, and, and they say to Joseph, you know, please take care of us, you know, and, and, uh, and they manipulate the situation. Dad said if this was to ever happen, Joseph, you're supposed to take care of us because we're, Dad says that we're sorry for what happened. I mean, read it. They don't even own up to it. 
they use their dead dad's name and say, listen, this is dad. He wanted this to be done for us after we passed away. And all these bad things, and he wanted us to be forgiven of them, and, and he wanted to, and, and, and they, they use that. And Joseph, in verse 20, he says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God. I never get tired of reading, but God. I was doing this, but God. I was having a nervous breakdown, but God. I was deserted by my friends, but God. I was on my way to do evil things, Paul would say, but God. And I think in every one of our lives, there's a but God moment. And Joseph, he says to them, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. And what I want you to see is in those moments of breaking, God is doing some making. And in those moments when you think you're being sold and you're being put aside and this is happening, nobody's looking at you and you are surviving and you're barely surviving and you should be thriving but I don't know what's happening. In those moments of despair, in those moments of brokenness, in those moments of helplessness, I'm here to tell you God is making something for you and of you and through you. And his name is Jesus. I thought I was going to have my prophetic at the end of this thing, but I think I'm going right now. And there's some of you that have experienced brokenness. In fact, I would hazard a guess and say all of us have. If we're to be honest, hurt, lost, abandonment, Helplessness, hopelessness, sickness, disease. It, it takes different looks, it takes different forms, and it hits us maybe all in different ways, but it's all parts of being desperate and looking and saying, God, what is happening? And in those moments of brokenness, I want to share you that you can feel broken and you can feel like things are breaking down in front of you, but in those moments, God is saying, no, I'm looking ahead and I'm making something happen right now. Joseph. you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23. I'm going to read it, or 27. Like I'm skipping along. I've missed Judges. I've missed Ruth. I've, I, I'm just right into da, uh, Psalm. And I'm going to read it from a different translation. What I want to do is I want to give you some faith this morning, and I want you to see from a perspective that you haven't seen from before. Instead of the woe is me perspective, why don't we take the wow is God perspective? Instead of look at what I'm going through, let's take the perspective of look at what God is doing. This Christmas season is going to be your best Christmas ever. 
And what you're going to do is you're going to start seeing things through the eyes of faith, and you're going to start seeing things through what Jesus did and what God did, and you're going to have but God moments when he's going to catch you in a phrase. He's going to catch you mid-sentence, and you're going to change your sentence because he's going to give you in the moment a revelation of what he's doing. And you're going to stop your mouth, and you're going to change, and you're going to talk and say what he is doing. But God... And in Psalm 27, the psalmist, and I'm reading it from the, trans, the, the Passion Translation, he says, yet I totally trust you to rescue me one more time. Everybody, have, have you ever, how many times? I don't know, but I know it's going to be one more time that he's going to rescue me. He always rescues And David, the psalmist, is writing and he says, I totally trust you, totally trust you to rescue me one more time so that I can see once again how good you are while I'm still alive. You don't have to be dead to see how good God is. In fact, I would suggest to you it's fun to see him when he's alive and you're alive. When you're dead, yeah, you're going to have a great time, but... You, he, you can enjoy it now. The party doesn't have to wait till you're dead. Celebrate. Come on. Right, Monique? There's a party going on around here. And he goes on, he says, I totally trust you to rescue me one more time so that I can see once again how good you are while I'm still alive. And then I want to give all of you some advice. He said, here's what I've learned through it. When you go through it, learn through it. He says, and here's what I've learned. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. I've been saved almost all my life. I grew up under pews. I remember going Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and my parents would take us other times as well. I grew up in that, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who have had a hardship, and instead of turning to God, they turn away from God. I'm here to tell you, turn to him, and in those moments of desperation, tighten your grip to him. Come closer to him. Entwine yourself with him. What does his word say? What are the but gods in the word of God? And you look for that, and in Twine yourself with one, with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Who's our hope? Jesus. Who's your hope? Jesus. He says, never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting. Keep on waiting. It's not like driving through McDonald's. Sometimes it's like you have to wait for the steak to be cooked. Keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. Can I say amen to that? You might feel like it's breaking. I'm here to tell you, God is making. I've got many other verses here for sake of time. 
Let's go to Isaiah 43, a few more pages over. Isaiah 43. Are you receiving this morning? Your faith is going to be built up, not because of what I said, but because of what the Word of God says. In Isaiah 43, he says, But now, verse 1, Thus saith the Lord, your Creator, O Jacob. He says, But now. It's almost like a but God. And he who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. God knows your name. He knows how to pronounce your name. He knows every intricacy of your name and your last name and your four middle names. He knows them all. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. It's through that breaking. It's through that crushing. It's through that part where it's like, where are you, God? He will never leave you nor forsake you. And he says, and when you're going through that, I will be with you. It's not might. It's not maybe. It's not even if you showed up at church last Sunday and Pastor David was happy to see you, but you missed the next one. He's bigger than me when it comes to that. I sit and sulk and I pray for you, but he just says, I'll never leave him, David. He says, when you go through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you're through the rivers, they're not going to overflow you. I've been in a river, and the current caught me, and one of the first things I freaked out about was, am I going to be taken over, and is it going to overflow? And he says, no, it's not going to overflow you. That torrent, that, the waves are coming down, the river, the stream, that current is so strong. I'm here to tell you, it's not going to overflow you. As I'm preaching, some of you are starting to get your shoulders a little more like, this is good. Yeah, it is good. It's the word of God. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Do you believe that? If you would flip your Bibles over to Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. The children, the four, the three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's not, and to bed I go. It's Abednego. The three children, and they wouldn't bow to the king, and the king got so upset. He says, make the fire and make it seven times hotter. He made it so hot that the guys that threw the three Hebrew kids in died. Okay, it wasn't no little campfire to roast a marshmallow on. It was so hot, the guys that threw him in died. Have you ever been in a pressure cooker so intense that the people around you can't handle it? 
He throws them in, and the king is sitting there, and all of a sudden he goes, okay, guys, I'm the king here, so be careful how you answer this, but we put three in. Is my math bad, or is there four? And be careful, because I'm the king. And they look in there and goes, no, there's four. We put three in. And he says, and the fourth one looks like the son of God. Who here feels like you're going through a fire right now? You are not alone. You might think it's me, myself, and I. But I tell you, there's one who's with you. His name is the great I am. The king of kings. And he looks and he goes, there's a fourth one. Then I want you to see what happens. They take him out of there. In verse 27, by the way, he says, I see four men loose, walking. It was such a big fire, they were walking in the fire. I mean, they beat Tony Robbins and all his walking on the fire. These guys, they did, they, it's like, this is the most motivational speech you could ever receive, and this is where Tony Robbins gets it all. And he says, if there's guys in the fire, and they're walking in the fire, and they're loose, they were bound when they went in, and they're loosed, and they're having this conversation, and they're walking in this fire. And he pulls them out of there, and when they came out, the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. Can you imagine having the smartest people around gather around you? Well, let's examine these guys. So, they could see that the fire had not burned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their bodies were not burned at all. Their hair was not burned. Yes, Pastor Nelson. And their robes were not burned. Pastor Nelson might say amen about that one too. Their robes weren't burned. They didn't even smell as if they had been near fire. I've made fires. I've made campfires. And it's like we live out, we have a cottage up in the bush. And it's like we don't even go to town with the clothes that we had on the day before. Because the fire would smell and it would get in our jackets. And the last thing we want to do is walk in a, in a grocery store and have everybody going. Oh, those people. Have you ever been around a fire and it just smells and it gets on you? Infiltrates the fabric, infiltrates the clothes. They weren't burnt. Their clothes weren't burnt, and they couldn't even smell the fire. In other words, there was no trace of what they had just gone through. No trace. No trace. What are you going through? What are you going through? I'm I'm speaking prophetically this morning. And this is about what Jesus did for you and me. He is so amazing. And when we worship him like we did this morning, what we're doing is corporately as a body, we are lifting him up. And he cannot help but come and enjoy and be a part of what we are when we worship. 
Worship attracts him. And there is no sign that they went through something. I'm here to declare to you that some of you are going through things and you're wondering, what am I going through? How long is this going to be? When is this going to ha- stop? What, what about this? What about this fire? Oh, this is, this is going to be a mark left on me. This is gonna, I'm going to smell like this. I'm going to look like this. I'm, gonna be, I'm here to tell you when he's finished, people will look at you and go, what happened because I don't believe your story? You say you went through that? And the only reason why I believe you is because we actually saw you going through it, but now you're beyond it, and it's like, hello? Come on. If you would like that, reach out and just say, yes, Lord, I'll take it. I expected a few more hands than that. This is a good God. Now I want you to turn to Isaiah. Or you're there already, maybe. Isaiah chapter 9. And we've spent some time looking at the names. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. What a powerful description. Wonderful Counselor. The picture that is that is it stops your mouth And he sees what is needed for the need before you do. That's a picture of what a wonderful counselor is. Picture of mighty God is someone who establishes your house with his goodness, his power, and his authority. Everlasting Father is someone who supports the family, and it's eternal. He will always, forever support your family. And the Prince of Peace is one who devours that thing which causes chaos. Those are pictures of who Jesus is. And Isaiah, 700 plus years before Jesus is born, stands up and he prophesies this. And this isn't the only prophecy he has. If you read the book of Isaiah, it is one of the most filled with prophetic utterances of Jesus and what he would be and do. It is full. What's amazing, he says, and this will be a sign. He says this will be a sign 700 years before it's a sign. And he's talking to people currently. I'm trying to figure that out. And he gets into Isaiah chapter 9, and he says, in verse 2, he says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land... The light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Let me say, we celebrate victories. I'm here to tell you, we need to celebrate goals. We need to celebrate touchdowns. I was thinking about this. We say, let's celebrate the victory. Why can't we celebrate the touchdown? professionals do the crowd goes nuts the guy does a dance people they act crazy at a touchdown the whole nation the whole crowd cheers guys come to games dressed up grown men with all their dignity 
put face paint on, wear crazy stuff, and then go to this game and stand up for two and a half, three hours, if not longer, yelling, cheering, and, sh and just like making a fool out of themselves. And then when the guy scores, yes, and when it's the other team, they're going, go, go, stop them, stop, and they let it all loose. Can't we celebrate what God has done, the victories, but also the touchdowns? Some of you need to get a touchdown dance. The icky shuffle. That's from a few years ago. You need to learn how to take the football and spike it. You need to learn how Tiger Williams took his hockey stick and did the old horse ride down the ice after he scored a goal. Why? He just scored a goal. It wasn't even necessarily the end of the game. But you know what that does to the enemy? I like smack talk. I like it. And when you dance in front of him, he doesn't have a clue what to do. In fact, if you read the Bible, it says if the people of the day were smart enough and knew what they were doing, they would not have crucified Jesus. Sometimes the enemy is so stupid. And I thank God that he is. He overplays his hand. But let's not just celebrate the victory. Start to learn how to celebrate the touchdowns. Start learning how to celebrate the goals. If you're a volleyball player, start celebrating a spike. If you're a basketball player, don't just celebrate a three-point. Celebrate a duck and a layoff, a layup and, and, and start learning how to celebrate when you get even a touchdown, even a small. We, we sometimes wait till it. No, let's celebrate now. And you say, well, what if, what if they get another touchdown? Well, you're going to get another one. You're going to win the game. You're going to win the game. It is one. Amen. It is one. So when you spike it, you can go, in your face! Because <laughs> it's already one. I got three minutes and six seconds. And this is the passage I wanted to get to you. Last week, we talked about you shall break the yoke off their burden and the staff off their shoulders. This is a prophetic picture of Jesus. And I want to connect everything I've said so far. I haven't said it just because I needed to fill time. I've said it for a purpose. And last week, we, we, I preached on you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders and the rod of the oppressor as at the battle of Midian. And this is what I want you to see. Verse 5. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. <laughs> this is a picture of Jesus and what he did. And what he's saying is he's going to break those things that used to hold you back. And those things that used to hold you back actually turn out to be the things that you sustain from and that you gain from and that you go from and that become fuel for your fire. What the enemy thought 
He could have an earthquake. He could scare you. He could intimidate you. He could cause you to be freaked out. He could cause you to worry. He could, all those things, the blood, the sweat, and the tears, and all that battle. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to come, and I'm going to take those things, and I'm going to defeat them. I'm going to break them. I'm going to smash them, and they're going to turn out to be what feeds you as you move forward. And prophetically this morning, you're seeing the breaking. You're seeing the pain. You're seeing what hurts. You're seeing all the blood. You're seeing the sweat. You're hearing the footprints of those around you. I'm here to tell you they are spoke, broken, smashed, and they are no longer. And now he is making something out of them. And that will fuel you. That will feed you. And that will propel you to where God is taking you. And the reason why I can say that is his word says it, and I believe it. Romans 8, 28. We say this verse. All things work together for good. If you read that verse, it starts with, and we know. How many times do you look in the mirror and say, I know this is going to work for good? I don't know about you, but I pull a... Anna Green Gables, I'm in the depths of despair. <laughs> Woe is me. I'm a worm. And he says, no. No. That thing that's breaking, that thing that you feel like is crushing, that thing that you felt was oppressive and couldn't, you couldn't even get your breath, that is broken, that is smashed, that is crushed. And what the enemy thought for good and for his good, for, for evil, I've made for good. Joseph said it. We see it with Daniel and the children in the fire. We see it in Isaiah. We see it in Romans. And why do we see that? It's because of what Jesus did. Everything I enjoy is because of Jesus. Everything you enjoy is because of Jesus. So I'd like to make a declaration this morning. Are you able to hear this? I want to speak prophetically over every one of you. I'd encourage you just to close your eyes to remove distractions. This is going to be the closing. I'll probably have a couple things to say after this, but I want to speak prophetically over each one of you right now. As I was doing this morning, I've never had this before where I've gotten what I believe a prophetic declaration ahead of time. And I started typing and it just started to come. And I hear some of these words and sometimes I think, well, they're saying these words, but they're just catchphrases. No, as I read this passage today, I realize that those catchphrases are actually truth. And sometimes we say it as a quick way and easy way to remember it. So here I'm going to tell you, I'm going to declare this over you. Those things that came against you will now fuel you. Those battles that you thought you fought with every ounce of your body will be the stage and platform that you will stand on. The oppression you endured as a faithful soldier that you thought would wear you out and wear you down has in fact made you stronger and more tenacious. 
the burdens you used to carry and the weight that was on your shoulders will be the passion that drives you and places you in position to see others have their burdens lifted. What the enemy thought would take you down is fuel for the fire that burns deep inside of you. The plans tactics and schemes of your oppressor are actually the strategies, campaigns, and structures you will employ as you advance and move forward in your life. I'm speaking this prophetically to you this morning. Things that you thought would be helpless and hopeless are being switched and the tables are being turned. Helplessness will turn into care and helpfulness. Hopelessness will be turned into a dispensary of hope. What you felt was going to break you is actually going to make you. You will dance on the reports of the enemy. The crushing is actually a producing, producing his oil and his fragrance. The discouragement that you fought will become encouragement and you will deliver. What you thought would set you back years will actually be used to move you forward years. The setback is actually his setup. Can you stand with me? I'd like to pray over you. And after I pray, someone's going to come up and we're going to receive an offering and they're going to have a few announcements. This is a holy moment right now. And if anything that I said resonated, I'd like you to exercise faith by raising your hands. And I'm going to ask Father to come and to give you hope where you've had hopelessness. I'm going to ask him to give you peace where you've had unrest. I'm going to ask him for you to be able to see that he is making something while you feel things are breaking. Heavenly Father, These are your beloved children. We are your children. And Lord, I thank you that unto us a child is born. I thank you that unto us a son is given. Lord, I thank you that the government will be upon his shoulders. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that he brings hope and he brings joy and he brings peace. And today, Lord, I speak, I declare, and I release your power, your enjoyment, your peace, your perspective over everyone here. May we walk out with greater hope than when we came in. And not only that, Lord, but may we take that hope May we take this infusion of faith. May we take this moment of strengthening. And may we be able to turn that around and to bless somebody else this week. May we take what we've learned, what we've grown, what we've seen from perspective from your word and speak life to somebody that maybe is not seeing it the same way. You are worthy of it all. 
you are worthy of it all. We thank you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated.